I hope that you have your Bibles and that they're open as we work our way through the Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 uh, through 13. And uh, we're looking at this in an extended manner. Uh, I told the early service, I have never preached in detail on the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Whenever I've preached through the Gospel of Matthew, I cover it usually in one sermon and move on. And uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed pausing and really digging into this incredible, profound prayer. It's, it's just eye-opening to me, and I hope it's been encouraging and helpful to you as well. And so we continue in this series. And I want to begin, begin my thoughts this morning uh, with a thought that came from one of my favorite writers. Uh, his name is Eugene Peterson. Uh, Eugene Peterson is the one who uh, paraphrased the scriptures and called it the message How many of you have ever read excerpts or read from the message? Well, he's the author of that. And uh, he also wrote a book on prayer. And I have a quote from him that I want to begin our thoughts with this morning. Uh, It'll be on the screen. He writes, The human condition teeters on the edge of disaster. Human beings are in trouble most of the time. And those who don't know they are in trouble are in the worst trouble. Prayer is the language of people, of the people who are in trouble and know it, and who believe that God can get them out. And then he quotes Isaac Singer, a a, a man of long ago, and he says this, Isaac Singer once said, I only pray when I'm in trouble, but I'm in trouble all the time. And so I pray all the time. And then Peterson writes, the recipe for obeying St. Paul's pray without ceasing is not a strict regimen, but a watchful recognition of the trouble we are in. Prayer is the language of the people who are in trouble and know it and who believe that God can get them out. That's one of my, uh, that, that, that one really struck me. Uh, and so for our purposes this morning, I, I want to take and I want to reword that sentence a little bit. Prayer is the language of those who know they're in need and who believe that God can provide for their needs. Prayer is the language of those who know they're in need and who believe that God can provide for their needs. As I read that statement, as I thought about it, there's two problems that that we have with prayer that come to mind. And and, and I want you to ask yourself if you fall in one of these two problem areas. Uh, For me, I fall into both at times. The first is we, we fail to see our needs. We fail to believe that we need help, God's help. Peterson says it's those who don't know they're in trouble who are in the worst trouble. Friends, we're all in trouble without God. Every man, woman, and child that has ever lived or is living now or in this room or on the planet Earth right now is in trouble in the absence of God. Every one of us. And yet we fail to see our need. Often it's accompanied because of pride or it's because of self-sufficiency, that sense that we can do for ourselves. Uh, it's common in a culture like ours of one of abundance uh, or, uh, or individualism. But there's a second error, and it's, the er- and it's the failure to believe that God is the only one who can help in our time of need. So sometimes we don't even realize we have the need because we think we can take care of it ourselves. And other times we don't think that it's God who's going to meet our need, that, that he's the one that we should go to with our need. Now, I, I fall into both of those categories at one time or another. 
And, and if you're in that second category, what that can lead to is idolatry. Because if we're not going to God to meet the needs that we are aware of, then we will find somehow to meet those needs. And that can lead to idolatrous pursuits. Have you answered the question, which one of those categories do you fall into, if either? And if you don't fall into one of those at some point in time, then I'll step aside and you can come up and preach this thing. Are you the kind of person that prays when you're in trouble? And that's only when you pray. And that's okay as long as you remember you're always in trouble. You always have needs that need to be met, and God is always the one who will meet them. To put it in another way, we are completely, completely dependent upon God for everything. And that's why we must pray, give us this day our daily bread. This is a prayer that acknowledges we need God's help and also believes that God will help. Now, before we dig into that particular petition, I want to do a brief review, maybe a little way of helping to remember where we're at and where we're going. And... Uh, the Lord's Prayer, as I stated to you the very first time that we started talking about this, it's an incredible model for prayer. It's a model for prayer. It has instructions for us as to enrich our prayer life, to help teach us the things that we should be about when we're praying before the Lord. And, and, and that prayer is divided with a, it's a prologue, and then there's two divisions, two sections to the prayer. And the first section deals with the glory of God, and the second section deals with our, uh, our welfare, our good. Human, humanity is good. And, 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 and I can give you a way of remembering the Lord's Prayer this way. Four words, access, adoration, alignment, and asking. Access. Uh, it, 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 the prologue tells us that we have access to God, our Father who art in heaven. Okay? Our Father who art in heaven. We have that access through the Son of God, through Jesus Christ. When we come to faith in Christ, we are adopted into the family of God. That means that we become his children. He becomes our father. And we have access. That means we can approach him with humility but with boldness. Access. Then there's adoration. That's the first petition of the Lord's Prayer. Hallowed be your name. It's a prayer that God's character, that God's work be exalted, be respected, be revered, be given the highest regard. And then there's alignment. That's the next two petitions that we've looked at. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is a prayer about God's glorious work and redemption and, and, and that it would come to completion, which it will when Christ returns at the second coming. But it's also that the entire cosmos, including our lives, will fall into alignment with God's purpose, God's rule, God's will. So adoration and alignment are the two big categories in the very first section of the Lord's Prayer. And it relates to the glory of God. The second section is about asking. Access, adoration, alignment, and asking. It's the second section of the Lord's Prayer. And here's where we find requests that deal with our welfare, our good. It deals with provision and forgiveness and deliverance. And today we're going to cover that topic on provision. Next week, Pastor Tony is going to preach on, on, the, on the role of forgiveness in prayer and in our lives, the impact. 
And then following that, I'm going to be doing a couple sermons on both protection and deliverance, and then we're going to have a brief PS to the series at the end. So that's where we've come, and that's where we're going. But today we're going to look at provision. But before we do, let's, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I do pray that you will keep our hearts and minds open. Uh, Lord, there's a lot going on today as a church, but to, right now, right now, I, I pray that our attention is solely upon you and your truth, and that we might hear it and allow you, through your Holy Spirit, to work it deep into our lives. And I pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So the second half of the prayer begins with this petition, the petition for provision. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, before we get into kind of the deeper aspects of it, I want to talk about two words that are, are, that are in it. And the first word is bread. First of all, this is a prayer for bread, not for cake. Give us this day our daily bread. The Greek word here, the Greek is the original language that the New Testament was written in. The Greek word for bread there is the common, ordinary word for bread. It doesn't mean anything fancy. It just means normal, everyday food. And what Jesus is telling us is that when we pray, we ought to pray for the ordinary, normal, everyday bread, as you will. On its face, it looks like it's just a prayer for food. And it sounds like a petition that maybe should be uttered by those who are starving in other parts of the world, or even in some of our own parts of this country where people go hungry. I mean, we, almost every person sitting here probably has so much food that we've kind of glossed through this. But that's, that's a mistake. Because bread in Scripture means more than what you slice or what you put a slab of bologna between. It, it's a symbol for the material, the physical needs of life. Bread in the Lord's Prayer stands not just for the kind of bread that, that we buy in a grocery store. It also stands for all of the physical and all of the material and all of the spiritual needs of your life, which the next two requests, one Pastor Tony will preach on next week and then one after that, that has to do with the spiritual needs. But right now we're looking at the physical needs. The material needs. The stuff of life. Some people are rather shocked when they read the Lord's Prayer because they think of it as such a profound prayer, and it is. But to be so mundane as to pray for daily bread? Are you kidding me? This petition is our invitation to earnestly ask God for the needs and the necessities of life. Everyday life. Bread. The second word that I want us to notice is daily. Give us today our daily bread. One commentator on this text said, this is the most perplexing word in all of the Lord's Prayer, the word daily. And the reason for that is the Greek word is very difficult to understand. The Greek word is difficult to understand. We read it daily. But in the Greek, you're kind of scratching your head. What do they mean by daily? Because this word only appears twice in the New Testament, and both times it's in the Lord's Prayer. A lot of times when we go to understand the meaning of a word, we'll often look at other texts in the scripture to understand what that word means in the text that we're studying. But in this case, it's the same word in the same prayer. So we can't use that. So there's a question about what it meant. Until archaeologists, not that long ago, found a fragment of writing on a papyrus that appears to be a woman's shopping list. Kid you not. And she wrote down the things that she was going to buy at the market. And next to a few of those items was this Greek word. 
which meant buy today. Today. Buy it daily. Which means when we're praying this prayer in the spirit of what Christ is intending, we're saying, God, meet my needs for this, meet my needs for this very day. Or if you're praying it at night, you, you might say, Lord, meet my needs that I have for tomorrow. But it's that, it's that need right now. And we're going to talk more about that in a, in, a, in a little while. So there's two conclusions that I think that we can draw from just these two words alone. First conclusion is this. The fact that Jesus mentions bread teaches us that material things do not lie outside the realm of prayer. Material needs do not lie outside the realm of prayer. Now, you may think, well, no, duh. But how many of us bring our everyday needs to the Lord in prayer? We're not just a soul. We're not just a spirit. We're a physical being. We live in a physical world. If you need food, you pray for food. If you need financial resources, you pray for financial resources. If you need a job, you pray for a job. If health is what you need, then, then, you, then the, the, this prayer is teaching us to pray for the health. If there's anything physical or material that you're in need of, it's a legitimate topic of prayer. We have an invitation from Christ himself to bring these things before the Lord. They're not excluded from the realm of prayer. The second conclusion is that Jesus is teaching us the importance of moment-by-moment, day-by-day living in dependence upon God. Moment-by-moment, day-by-day dependence upon God for the things that we need. He's teaching us here to learn to depend upon Him. Him. Now, all that's preliminary to what I really want to look at, but it sets the stage. Um, if, you see, I think this prayer, give us this day our daily bread, it's more than just a prayer request. I think properly understood, it describes a way of life for us as God's children. It suggests something about the Christian lifestyle that we need to understand. In researching for this sermon, I I came across one writer who called this petition, this particular petition, give us this day our daily bread, the daily bread living. That it's a prayer for daily bread living. I liked that, so I'm borrowing that phrase as I go through the rest of my thoughts on this. And what I want to say is this, daily bread living, that is to say, if you're going to pray this prayer with understanding, it's going to lead to a certain attitude or a certain way of life. If this prayer is ever going to become a reality, it's going to change your life. It will. And so what I want to do is I want to suggest to you four qualities of daily bread living. And each one comes from a word in the petition itself. Give us this day our daily bread. And and I think that these are four qualities that need to be in our lives if we're going to call ourselves children of God. And I think these need to be in our life if this prayer is ever going to really make a difference in our life. So the first quality that I, want to sh- that I want to talk about is we are to have gratitude to God for all of his blessings. Gratitude to God for all of his blessings. And, and this first quality comes from the very first word, give. Give us this day our daily bread. I think that what Jesus is doing is he is implying here that, that, that everything that we have comes from God. So we go to him to say, God, give. Everything we have. The clothes, the food, the friendships, the education, the mind that we use, the, the words we speak, everything comes 
from God. Gratitude to God is, is to mark our lives, and, and we're to be grateful for all that God has given us and all that God has done for us. If not, if not, then why should he give us anything else? If we're not grateful for what he has done and what he has already given to us, why should he hear us when we say, oh God, I need this? Gratitude. Think about these words from Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 10. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. David says in Chronicles 29.14, 1 Chronicles 29.14, But who am I and who are my people? Now he's talking to God here. That we should be able to give as generously as this. Everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand. And then in Psalm 145.16, he writes this, You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. Gratitude for what God has given us he's done for us. Have you ever stopped to think about all that God has given us in the splendor of creation? God could have ordained that we eat nothing but mud. Mud for breakfast, mud for lunch, mud for dinner, mud for snacks. Or he could have made uh, the world nothing but tones of gray. I like gray, but I don't know why I want a world of gray. But instead he gave us technicolor. And instead of mud, he, he gave us a whole world. And he said, here, eat and drink and, and be made strong. Everything I've made, I've put here for you. The whole world is ours to enjoy. Think about it. I remember as a kid, lying down in the front yard and looking up at the clouds and just watching them go by. How many of you have done that lately? Maybe not in a field, but you notice and you think, wow, that's an incredible cloud. Or how about letting the juice dribble down your cheeks when you're eating that juicy peach? Or you lose your breath when you jump into that crystal clear flowing mountain stream. Or, or you're watching your grandchildren play, or your children play at your feet, or, 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 or you know, maybe you've climbed that mountain out in Colorado. Or maybe as the sun is setting and it casts that red cast, that glow across the sky, and you're in your car or in your, in, your, in your, say, your family room, and you've got Beethoven's Fifth Symphony playing. All of that is, it's all gifts. God has given us all of that. And friends, that's just the beginning. It's just the beginning of everything that God has given to us and everything that he has done for us. The animating principle of the Christian life is gratitude to God for the blessings. Everything of value that you possess, everything that you treasure comes in one way or another from the hand of the Almighty Father. The very breath that you're breathing right now is a gift from God. This truth ought to make us very grateful for all that he has done, for all that he gives us, and grateful for the very life that we have. I read an article the other day about a man who was having a conversation with his friend. Um, and, and the friend was a father with several young children who had just who'd been diagnosed with cancer and been told he had three months to live. And the man asked this young father, he said, are you, are you having a bad day? To which this young father said, when the doctors tell you that you only have three months to live, there is no such thing as a bad day. 
And I think there's a deep truth to that. You know, um, if you know you're only going to live for a few weeks, doesn't every day become more precious to you? I mean, you don't, you don't have time to have a bad day. You wake up every morning and you drink of that thing called life. I think the point that the young father was making is that in some strange way, what was happening to him was a gift from God, not the dying part, that's obviously tragic and heartbreaking, but the other part, the realization that since he knew he didn't have forever to live, he was going to enjoy each day as much as he could. I, I think when you see the, the sands of time slipping through the hourglass, we have a choice to make. Do we see that which God has given and we're grateful? Or do we see what's not there and we become despairing? Do you realize that most of us, we can afford to have bad days? You want to know why? Because we don't, we don't think about death. We don't think that we're going to die. I mean, we all know here, but we don't know here. We just assume we're going to have tomorrow and then the next week and then next month, the next year and then the next decade. And so we don't, we can afford to have a bad day. We can, go, we can go over into the corner of life and have a self-pity party. It's a choice. Only the living dare to go into the corner and sulk. We need to start choosing a life of gratitude. The psalmist writes in, 90, in Psalm chapter 90, verse 12, teach us to number our days, O Lord, that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. I think, you know, as I am getting older, I want to stop with the bad days. And I want to live a life that every day is grateful for the day that I have and for as many as God grants me. I need to learn this one, friends, to live a life of gratitude. The second quality of daily bread living is contentment with what God has provided. And the key word to this one for me is daily, or is, is bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Notice again, we're invited to ask for bread, not cake. It doesn't say give us uh, today our daily dessert. Jesus is encouraging us to pray to God for our needs, not our greeds. Uh, it's very true that I think a poor person would pray this prayer much differently than a wealthy person. We're to pray and ask God for what we really need, not for every wild desire that happens to come to our mind or find residence in our desires. This isn't an invitation to pray for great material wealth simply so we can add to our own personal body, bottom line. It's not an invitation to pray for everything that's on our life's wish list. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with any of that. Don't leave here saying, well, he's really down on that stuff. No, I'm not. But this text says bread, not chocolate eclairs. <laughs> We're to trust God for the things that we really need and be content in how he meets that. I mentioned last week uh, my friend Jack, uh, who suddenly died 58 years of age down in Columbia. And I, I spent many hours with Jack, and I spent many prayers times with Jack. And I can tell you, Jack prayed consistently for his business to be successful. And it was fabulously successful. But he prayed that prayer so that he could support more missionaries. 
He prayed that prayer so he could fund and resource more ministries uh, to businessmen and women in the greater Colombian community. He prayed that prayer so he had more resources for evangelistic ministries through the church and outside of the church. He prayed that prayer so that he could have more resources for those who were in need in the, in the city of Columbia. He was, it was an unselfish prayer. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a moment. But, but you know, we're not, we're not praying that God will bless us with all of this stuff so that just the bottom line is all that grows. It's for our needs. And then he's asking us to be content with how he meets those needs. Jack prayed for a successful business. He had a successful business. He gave so much of that away. And he was content with what was left. We need to ponder the words of Proverbs chapter 30, verses 7 and 9. Two things I ask of you, O Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. What an incredible outlook on life. Lord, don't make me too rich or too poor. Just give me whatever you think is enough and help me to be content. Contentment is a quality of daily bread living. The third quality is confidence that God will meet the needs day by day. In other words, trust. I find this in, in, two, uh, in two places in this petition, give us this day our daily bread. Uh, it's in this day and daily. Daily bread living means that we believe God that he will provide what we need on a day-by-day basis, on a need-by-need basis, in accordance with his good timing. And, and the best place, that if you want to see an example of how that works, go back into the Old Testament and look in Deuteronomy. Or, in, I'm sorry, in Exodus. It's about the children of Israel. Exodus chapter 16 records the story. They, they've just come out of Egypt, and uh, they've just crossed the Red Sea. They just had this incredible miracle of salvation from the, the charging army of Egypt. And after that miracle, what do they start doing? Anybody? Grumbling. Oh, here we are. We're out here in this desert. We got nothing to eat and nothing to drink. Boy, we should have stayed back in Egypt. We had a lot more to eat back there, even though we were slaves. That was their grumble. What does Moses do? He goes to God. He says, God, your kids are complaining. What do you want me to do? (laughs) And God says, um, tell them to get ready, because I'm going to provide food for them. And so the Lord sends to the children of Israel manna and quail, And the quail, they're going to come flying in low towards evening. And the next morning when the Jews get up, they're going to see the the dew on the ground. But as the dew dries, then suddenly they find wafers that taste like crackers and honey. And God's instructions to them is very specific. He says, you go out, you get as much as you need for that day, for you and your family. But don't get any more than what you need. And I will provide this every single day. And God said, if you get more than what you think, if you get more than you need, then guess what's going to happen? It's going to deteriorate and maggots are going to replace it. Except for one day on Saturday, or excuse me, on the day before Sabbath, you're to go out and you're you're to collect two days so that you don't have to work on the Sabbath. Day by day living. Trusting that God would provide for them. You know, if I had lived in that day, 
I probably would have sent my four girls out with a wheelbarrow. <laughs> just to make sure. I mean, that's just kind of how I am. And I would have just had nothing the next day than maggots everywhere. Kind of a gross thought. God is teaching them in the Old Testament the same thing that, that Jesus, I think, is trying to help us understand, that he is willing to supply our needs on a day-to-day -day basis. We need to trust him. We need to be confident in him. Paul writes in, 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 in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, My God will meet all your needs according to the riches in Christ Jesus. That's a promise. And Jesus is giving us indirectly an affirmation of that promise to trust. Now, the fact of the matter is, we don't like living this way. We, uh, we don't want to live day by day. We want our pension plans, our stock and bonds, our stock options. We would rather have our policies in place uh, to guarantee that our future is secure and that the path will be smooth and comfortable and all of that. We had our way, this prayer would read, give us this week our, daily, our weekly bread, or give us this month our monthly bread, or better yet, Lord, give us this year our yearly bread, just give it to us all at once and we'll be okay. I'll trust you then. That's kind of how we live our life, isn't it? Now, again, there's nothing wrong with all of the things that I just described, the pension plans and the retirement accounts and the insurance policies and, and that kind of thing. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just that we think that's the solution. Number one, God gave all of that to you, one way or the other. And number two, when we keep our focus on that, we forget to live day by day trusting him to meet our needs. Self-sufficiency is a very high value in our culture. Individualism is a very high value in our culture. Those who pull up their lives by the bootstraps, so to speak, are given great honor. But all of those things wage somewhat against this prayer. Because all of those things begin to lure us away from looking to God and being, number one, grateful and content and confident that he will meet our needs. All of those things lead to a place where we forget God, like the writer in Proverbs said, Lord, if I have too much, I may forget that you are God. And if I don't have enough, I may go and try to find it in my own way and dishonor you. Every time that you pray a prayer like this and you mean it, you're saying, God, I trust you. And you're also saying, God, I'm holding you to your promise to meet my needs. This prayer is about living life one day at a time. Daily bread living means taking life one day at a time and being confident that God will take care of your needs Day by day by day by day by day by day by day. The fourth quality to daily bread living is generosity toward those who are less fortunate. This comes from that word, our. I think Pastor Tony probably touched on this when he talked about our Father who art in heaven, the idea that we are in this together, that we're not isolated, we're not islands unto ourselves. Notice it doesn't say, give me my daily bread. That's a completely different prayer. Every time you pray about the needs, you're being invited and encouraged and even commanded to pray for others and their needs as well. 
That's what Jack was doing when he said, God, I want you to bless my business so that he could help others. That's why I was so unselfish. It, this, this kind of a prayer, when, it, when you realize this is our needs, it, it, it begins to build the bigness, the vastness, the broadness to our prayer life. It takes us out of the narrow focus of our own problems and opens up the vista into the needs that are around us in this church, in our communities, in our workplaces. Again, this runs against the thought of postmodern society where you've got to look out for number one. No one's going to look out for you but you. It's open warfare sometimes, this individualism that we have. How different it is from the, what Jesus is calling us to be about in our prayer life and how different it is when he says in Luke chapter 6, verse 38, give and it shall be given to you. When we pray, give us this day our daily bread. We're opening ourselves up to not only being aware of the needs of others, but sometimes God's saying, and you're the answer to that prayer. My friend Jack knew he was the answer to his prayer. God doesn't give to us just so that we can harbor it all for ourselves, but he gives it to us so that we can meet needs of others. There's four truths that I think underlie this call to pray for and to share with those who have less than we do. Number one, everything you have comes from God. Number two, everything that is given to you is given in trust to you. Number three, the blessings that you have are not given to you for your own exclusive benefit. And number four, what is given to you in trust is given that you might share it with others. Folks, whatever you have been given has been loaned to you by your Father in heaven to not only meet your needs, but so that you might be able to meet the needs of those that he brings into your life's path. To say our daily bread is to see a world of needy and hurting people. And it implies that it's our, not just me. So we are to take and we are to not only be... Um, Losing my thought. Well, here you go. Gratitude. We're to be grateful for what God has given to us. Number two, we are to be content with what God has given to you and will give you. And we're to have confidence that God will meet your needs. And then we are to be generous towards those that God brings into our path when he has given us more than what we need for our own needs. Gratitude, contentment, confidence, generosity. That's what daily bread living is all about. You want this prayer to have an impact in your life, then that's the thing that we need to start to work on, is being grateful, content, confident in God, and generous with others. This petition reminds us that God delights to hear our prayers. He delights to hear our prayers, even when we're praying for things that are as small and mundane as a daily need that we might think is not important enough to bring to the almighty God in heaven, but God said, oh, please, bring it on. Bring it on. There's a key, I think, to this kind of a life. There's a key to this prayer being impactful. And I'm convinced that the key to this petition lies in the one just before it. Thy will be done. Knowing and doing the will of God is key to being effective in this petition of daily need. 
I mean, why would we dare to think that we can live life our way, play by our rules, make sure it's our will that prevails, and then expect God to meet all of our needs? Why would we think that? That's not a thought based upon Scripture. That's not a thought based upon heaven, the kingdom of heaven. That kind of thought just makes God a vending machine. But when our desire is to know God and to seek and to know his will and to live that will out in our lives, then our desires are slowly replaced with his desires. And then we begin to pray according to his will. And when that happens, we will discover the key to daily bread living. You know, the true cynic doubts that God knows or cares. And so they're prone to doubt or anger, sometimes even despair. But those who know their God, those who, who, who really know their God, then they will come to him with grateful hearts, with much contentment and trust, and say, God, bless me so that I can be a blessing to others. That's daily bread living. It means believing that because God is God, he will give you what you truly need when you truly need it. I need to practice this more in my life. I need to let God's spirit show me the areas of my life where this isn't being lived out. And chances are there's at least a few of you that might agree with that for your life. Father God, we come before you and we say thank you. Thank you for this incredible prayer that Jesus uses, not only to help us understand prayer, but to really help us understand how we're to live, to understand you more, to understand us more, to create that greater intimate dependence and connection with you. Lord, we, we pray that we can be a people who are grateful that we are content and confident in you and generous with others. Lord, what would you do in our midst if that was the goal and the desire of each and every person here? I dare say, Lord, that I, I don't know what you would do, but I think it would be a great outpouring from heaven. So I pray that for myself, and for all who would agree with that for their lives, Lord, might you hear our prayers and might you answer them in your timing, in your way, for your glory. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.